Alright, go ahead and start. How enthusiastic <laughs> opening that one. <laughs> I know, I think I might actually use that too. Yeah, please, please put that one in. Just have her say, eh, go ahead and start. <laughs> that's what she said. <laughs> uh, see, that's how you set it up. <laughs> Takes me a minute sometimes. <laughs> Welcome to Breaking Geek, the Breaking Bad podcast from Geek Girl Soup. It's Tuesday night, so we are recording, and we welcome your comments via email, geekgirlsoup at gmail.com, voicemail, 503-447-6871, or in our lively Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash geekgirlsoup. And and we promise that Scott and Dan won't derail uh, too many of your comments. I don't think we can make that promise. I'll try. I don't know what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> I wish I was you. <laughs> Chris, join us more. It'll be fun. <laughs> but it it only it really only happens to Kelly. So the derailing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, I'm Susan. And we also have Amelia. <laughs> Easy A in the house. This is Chris. I'm Kelly. And I'm Scott. The professional derailer. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Which, of course, our listeners don't necessarily understand. But no. if you joined us at the Geek Girl Soup Facebook page, you would understand. Yeah. Yeah. You can help us. Help us derail some more threads. It's a... <laughs> A fuck-worthy endeavor. That was, that was so smooth, Kelly. I'm very impressed. Thank you. <laughs> so, Kelly, what else did we do last week? Oh, gosh. Well, we chatted with Danielle of Nattercast and Michaela of um, Chatterbox Podcast. And we talked about the True Blood... Se- well, we had a review of True Blood Season 6. I know you listened to it, right, Scott? No. <laughs> he he will tonight after this <laughs> it was actually really good we had a great time um talking about what we liked what we did not like and uh, this season and we, what we are hoping to see next season which is also going to be the last season of true blood so check that out at geek girl soup yay and I know both Danielle and Michaela are watching Sons of Anarchy tonight. Um, Nattercast starts their uh, Sons of Anarchy podcast this week. And then the Watchers, Watchers of Anarchy, start theirs on Saturday. And so we'll be listening to those too. So, but we are talking Breaking Bad. And tonight, season thir- uh, <laughs> season five, episode 13, See what too much caffeine does to me? I can't talk. The title, Tohajali, was written by George Mastris, directed by Michelle McLaren. And this was her 11th episode to direct out of all the episodes of Breaking Bad. She has, I think, directed the most. Um, she also, I noticed, directed two Game of Thrones. Yes. And the the bear and the maiden fair yes, and was... second sons mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. both 
ep- uh, episodes that I really liked. Yeah. And I think she's directing some uh, some of The Walking Dead this season. Ooh. Cool. So, yeah. So we'll be definitely be seeing more of her work. And Kelly Dixon is editing The Walking Dead. Wow. So, yeah. So I wish I wish they could get some of the Breaking Bad writers over there. That would be really good. That would be really cool. <laughs> that really would be. Well, now they'll have you know, they'll be available for jobs. So. This mm-hmm. is true. This mm-hmm. is true. So Kelly, let's get started. Tell us about the episode. All right. So the end of uh, the last episode. Um, we saw Walt call, well, Jesse not meeting Walt in the plaza and then calling Walt and saying, I'm going to hit you where you really live. And then we see Walt calling Todd, what I thought was leaving a message saying, I, I may need your uncle for another job. And um, we picked up this episode with Todd, his uncle Jack. I forget Jack's friend's name. Do y'all? Remember? It's Kenny. Kenny. Okay, that's it. Um, so Uncle Jack, Kenny, and Todd with Lydia pouring the, a, a batch of meth out, testing it. It tested at 76%, which was awesome, higher than the last guy. Um, but Lydia's asking, you know, so when does it turn blue? Does it turn blue when it gets hard? And we're noticing, too, you know, that sucker's not blue at all. And Jack's looking, well, to my eye, it's kind of blue. And Kenny says it's bluish. And Todd's trying to go along with his uncle. Says if it catches the light just right. And then they decide, well, it's aquamarine. (laughs) And (laughs) they would food color it. And uh, Kenny was talking all about farm-raised salmon getting their pink coloring from food coloring. So, yeah, Lydia was not having any of that and said it really needs to be brought up to standard. Um, she and Todd then are having a a private chat where he comes clean and admits that he kind of burned it. He said at one point the temperature got too high. So she said, you burned it like a cake. Yeah. Now what I loved is in the background, we're hearing the song, Oh Sherry by (laughs) Journey. It was just, it felt so random and Mm -hmm. and weird. Yeah. Who knew Todd liked classic rock? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, And specifically journey and i just kept seeing in my head like the video that <laughs> went along oh. with <laughs> but it didn't seem out of place to me it sounded no. like you know something someone would have on a radio or just in an and you know it seemed of the location i, yeah. I wasn't thinking of, of of it as okay someone chose the song specifically for the scene blah 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 it was just there was music playing in the background and it was a very low Mm-hmm. You had to really pay attention to hear it. I right. felt like his ringtone was more out of character for Todd than... No, his ringtone was perfect. No, no his ringtone is perfect for the show. I felt like it was out of character for Todd. No, well, I think it was specifically for Mr. White. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. It's, it was... it's what he wants to be. Yeah. So I agree with like all y'all. So Amelia, yeah. yeah. If he had never met Mr. White and had never worked with him, it would be totally out of character. But because he's trying to impress Mr. White, then I think it fits. Or he's and impressed it, by Mr. White. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I that just don't feel like it's a song that Todd would know well, to that, even use it as a ringtone. <laughs> Todd seems very normal. Of all the 
Todd is so not normal. I know. We know Todd's not. Todd is so not normal. We it's know an... he's a murdering scumbag. He's he's the worst of the criminal element. But Todd outwardly appears to be just a normal kid. I think it's just it's unusual for a kid of his age to have a song from the '80s as their ringtone. That's yeah. odd. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's I don't. That's, I didn't have a problem with it because I, I I love that song, but I thought it was strange. Wow, two different '80s songs in the same scene with Todd. I'm guessing Todd's a big '80s or VH1 fan or something. Because yeah. is he even 21 yet? I'm not even sure how old Todd is. Actually. I know he looks like he's 12. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you he know, people glom onto things and make them their own. Mm-hmm. That's the way youth is. It's like, I'm going to be all about this this period, and that's going to define me. Yes. Again, not que- I wasn't really questioning it, because I loved, I loved the use of the songs. It, 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 there were odd choices, but it made sense for the character, so it didn't bother me that much. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I wasn't even thinking it was like a, a, a musical choice. It sounded like it might just be a radio station that they had tuned in. Well, every radio station you ever hear in any TV show, what you're hearing is definitely chosen. Oh, I know that. I'm talking about in the scene. But they pick, but the song is chosen. Yeah, in the scene, they may not have chosen. They have to license it to have it even appear on the show. I know. Definitely chosen. But but you're right. Todd, Jack, and Kenny might not have chosen the song, but they definitely still chose the radio station. I don't but... think they have to license Journey songs anymore. I think Journey gives out their songs. Just... Oh, poor you have a TV show. Have wow. a song. Uh, I don't think I let, you know, I they love made more, They made more Journey. money due to the Sopranos than anything else they've done in the last 20 years. So they know and, all about how oh much yeah. they can get for life. I know. And, and, and the Korean or Thai kid who replaced um, Steve Perry. No, I, I say that as somebody who loves Journey and someone who it very much admittedly is a Gleek. I watch Glee religiously. Yeah. And um, it's all, the first season was all about Journey songs. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So it was, uh, it was not a dig at Journey. <laughs> I don't care. Even though it came across that way. <laughs> to go back for a second, since we're, we're, we're about to blaze on, uh, I, I, would like to bring up the whole conversation with the blue uh, where that little bit illuminated so much about Jack's character mm-hmm. and how others go along basically. Yeah. Katow to him. It's like, yeah. he's that guy. He's that, yeah. that guy who's like, you don't want to be on the wrong side of the fence of this argument. So Absolutely. even if it's completely wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and Todd agreeing. knows that too. Oh yeah. We're yeah. not done with this section because the key or another key part of the section is about to come up. It's short, but here we're talking about it for a long time. Uh, <laughs> I, I agree with you. It's like Todd was making that up about if the light catches it just right, being able to see blue. Yeah. Cause he didn't want to say anything that went against his uncle Jack. But then that next scene, it's just Todd and Lydia. And then he fesses up and he's more honest with her, which is kind of interesting, too, because we we know that he's also trying to impress her. And then he leans over and puts his arm around or, you know, over her chair, uh, leaning in and, and saying something about, you know, concerning those investors, you want me to have my Uncle Jack 
I don't remember the verb, what verb he used, make things better with them or something like that. Have, I don't have a conversation with them. Yeah. Maybe like, like talk to them or something, although we know what he really means. Right, right. And she knew what they like really meant. You could meant. pressure those guys in that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I liked that Lydia didn't react to that. You know, she just paused a beat and. Oh, she's using it. Lydia oh, knows she... what's up. Oh, yeah. sure. Oh, yeah. Sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And oh, by Lydia, the way, oh, Lydia. I... Right. <laughs> I never got a clear shot of the bottom of the mug that she out of, out of which she was drinking her tea. These colors don't what run bleed. Could y'all tell? You know, it's one of those patriotic things that had oh. like the American flag all over Probably, it. Probably then it's no, I think it's these colors don't ble- I think it's those these colors don't bleed. I think that's what they're that motto okay, is. Okay, because I've also seen it somewhere else as these colors don't run. Oh. As in like running away. Right? Mm-hmm. So I yeah, I never got a clear view even when I watched it again. Um okay, so then the um deeper interesting slash creepy thing about Todd after Lydia leaves and he's watching her walk away. And this is when he's about to get the call from, from Walt, but he rubs like the bottom or she gave him his, the mug on her way out. And, and with his thumb, he like rubs along the bottom line of her lipstick mark on there. Um, I wasn't expecting that. I thought that was an awesome touch. I was expecting him to drink from the mug, which he does do at the end of the call with Walt. That's interesting because actually what they said on the Insider podcast is that him touching the mug, that was in the script, but the drinking was not in the script. Really? Yeah. Interesting. (laughs) I was totally expecting him to drink. Mm -hmm. As soon as she handed him the mug, I thought, okay, drink. But like where she had drunk from it, you know, so it'd be like kissing her. Yeah. That's really interesting to hear. Yeah. Yeah. So um, so this is when we meet up with the end of the last episode, because clearly it was not a message that Walt was leaving. He was talking to Todd. And, oh, yeah, back to the the ringtone has blinded me with science. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. And so then we hear more of, of Walt's side. Yeah, it's not in prison at this point or not in jail yet. It's Jesse Pinkman. So let's set up a meeting. Yeah. Um, and that was sad. And I, I looked it up while we were talking here, and that actor, Jesse Plemons, he's 25. Okay. So. Right. Oh, the actor is. The actor yeah, so is. So Todd is somewhere yeah, probably early. 20s. In that age range, yeah. Yeah. And for people like me, he's still the guy from Friday Night Lights, so I'm always going to think of him being a few years younger than that anyway. Okay. Also, the, the interesting thing about that last moment, the call with Walt, mm-hmm. is how creepily nonchalant he was about the entire thing. Yes. That's, that's become his hallmark. It's, mm-hmm. He doesn't even bat an eye or react to the fact that he's calling for another murder, that it's, that it's someone he actually knows. He and just it's said, Jesse. Yeah. They didn't even bother trying to, which I'm glad they didn't do, because it would have been a little... Uh, they could have even had him smirk or something like that, since Jesse's the one who punched him out. Yeah, you know, way back when. But he, the fact he didn't react at all made him that much more of a sociopath to me. I thought. And you know what's interesting, though. You're right. That does make him more of a sociopath. I still find Uncle Jack scarier. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. 
I find it a little interesting that he has no sense of self-preservation because he he never thinks. Oh well, wait, if he'll if he's looking to rub out <laughs> Jesse, the last guy he was cooking with. What about me? <laughs> yeah, this is true. Yeah. Although, although there, well, there is one three Except seconds. Except the guy doing the rubbing out is his uncle. There and there, there is there is one th- moment we see for a few seconds later on, which shows at least he has one moment of thinking about self-preservation. But other than that, absolutely correct. So that's the opening act. All right, Scott. All right. Well, when we pick up Act One, uh, we see Hank is meeting with Gomez underneath an overpass. Um, Gomez at this point is assuming that they're going to bring Jesse into the, uh, the AUSA because, you know, the plan went awry. But Hank indicates that Jesse's got a plan. Uh, Gomez really isn't quite on board. He, I think he refers to him as Timmy Dipshit or something like that. Right. They've, they've kind of reversed. And, and uh, Hank is calling Jesse the kid now. And... You know, Gomi's got all these wild names for him. Right, right, and, right. So. I was like, hey, are you borrowing from Hank's playbook with the nicknames now? Mm-hmm. So I think it's just the general, that's how cops consider their perps. Right. And, period. And, <laughs> and it's been pretty evident uh, that they don't exactly have a lot of respect for Jesse anyway. So Gomez goes over, clinks, clinks on the car window like, like a motorcycle cop or something. Jesse rolls it down and he tells him, you know, you guys need evidence. I know some evidence that greedy asshole would never destroy. And at this point, we know it's about the money. And that's pretty, I mean, I'm one of the people who thought that last week as well. Get him where it hurts. Yeah. I never thought it could be his family because how or why would Hank or anyone else go along with a plan that would affect the family? But the money, it's always been about the money for Walt. The empire builder. It's building up that big nest egg of money. That's that's where you're going to get him if you're going to hurt him. See, here's why someone would think that. Because I was on board with the fact that it might be the family. And I'm not thinking that he was going to come up with a plan to actually hurt his family. Obviously, Hank wouldn't go along with something like that. But a threat to his family is clearly something that he would react to. Putting a giant fucking target on Jesse's head thus making him the martyr. I thought that was the plan. But I was wrong. Which I was happy to be wrong about. Because that's what I enjoy out of this show. It's not predictable. It's not obvious. Uh, you know, it's fun. I, I go in every week with an open... and have my eyes open to more and more of wonder. So, <laughs> that's all good. Keep outsmarting me. I'll be the dummy. <laughs> That's true. Well, With this well, show, it's the one time I don't mind being wrong. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of dummies, Jesse isn't one. And although he doesn't know where Walt's money is, he knows someone who might. A little bit of an issue here, but we'll t- we, I can talk about it later. Um, we go back to Hank's house, and Gomez walks in with some groceries, and... We find out that they were trailing someone to the doghouse, which is at a taco joint that we always see Jesse eating at, and that they pick somebody up. We don't know at this point who it is just yet. Gomez still seems to be a bit unsure about the plan, and he indicates that if the person that they picked up, if they lawyer up, 
He's going to put a stop to the whole thing. At that point, Hank has already reached into the bag of groceries, and he takes out what looks like most likely cow brains, because it looks like it was bought from a supermarket. He rips open the package. They splatter on the floor. He dribbles them. Scott, your your comment on your blog about this part, turning people into vegans, well, I'm already vegan, and and that part was about to make me gag. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Aaron Paul really was gagging. (laughs) (laughs) So he dribbles the blood on it, and I love the look on Jesse's face because he up. They, they've already spoken about the plan, although at this moment, it's almost as if Jesse doesn't know what's going on. Is that one little weird look on his face? But he tells him, you're up, and obviously he doesn't know what the plan is. The next thing we see is the other DEA agent. I think his name is Van Oster. And he's got the big mountain man, mountain of a man, Huel, <laughs> sitting in a, in a motel room. So Gomez and Hank show up. And it becomes pretty evident they're trying to put one over on Huel. And Huel's not the brains of any operation. He's not, he's not much of a bodyguard. We know he can pick pockets, and that's pretty much about it at this point. So they're, try, they're trying to put one over on him, trying to make him think that Saul is you know, gonna, stabbing him in the back because Walt has him next on his hit list. And he tells him that the other henchman, Kubi, he's nowhere to be found right now. He might already have been got by, by Walt. Huel isn't quite buying it until Hank shows him a picture on his phone, which is Jesse laying with the brains right next to him. So it looks like, you know, it looks like an episode of The Walking Dead or something. Huel <laughs> folds instantly. He's like, I didn't know he was going to kill him, man. I didn't know he was going to kill him. He just keeps ranting, whatever. So they're trying to find out about the money because Huel wouldn't have any other information anyway. Now, Huel does indicate that he doesn't know where the money is, but he knows where the money was, and he pretty much tells the story of how they picked up the money from the storage unit and brought, the, and brought it to Walt in a van, and that they filled up seven barrels. And this is one of the few funny moments in the episode where Hank is questioning the word barrels. Like, yeah. you mean, like, barrels? And he's holding his hands out in front of him. It's like, yeah, barrels. 55-gallon top. We got him at Home Depot. Hank so, just looked shocked. <laughs> like, oh, my God. <laughs> you just start thinking about how much money yeah. must, would fill seven barrels like that. Um, and we're so, not talking ones. Right? <laughs> well, and then when you think back to the, the first episode where, you know, during the ride-along, and I don't remember the the dollar amounts that Hank was throwing out to Walt, but... That was chump change compared exactly. to what Walt. Right, that asked. might have been what's in one barrel. Yeah, exactly. not even. Yeah, because um. I just read somewhere. Maybe it was in the Entertainment Weekly. There we go, another plug. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, the current cover story. Yeah. Somewhere I just read the figure eighty million. I read the same thing. Okay, that Walt has, and we haven't okay. heard that on the show because you know they never counted it all. Eighty million. Hank didn't say anywhere near that. So, right. That's a lot of security. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't be living in fucking Albuquerque. <laughs> <laughs> At a car wash on 80 million. <laughs> well, he's got to launder it so it looks at least, Fuck you know. laundering it. <laughs> Go to fucking Venice, Venezuela. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Just leave. 
Yeah, do what Julie Bowen said on that first uh, Talking Bad podcast and like uh, travel overseas, but but not Belize. Right. <laughs> Belize. Argentina. Right. Huell also tells them about when the van came back, when Walt brought the van back, it was dirty. They had to they had to hose it down, and there was a shovel as well. So two plus two equals Walt must have buried the money somewhere. And it's, go on. Go ahead, Chris. Oh, I thought you is what I added, but go ahead. Right. Well, I I have a comment there. It's like. Why didn't, okay, Walt owns a car wash. Why didn't he just take it there and run it through the car wash first? Why did he have uh, Huel and QB? Because did you see the condition Walt was in when he got home? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. He he barely got through the door. (laughs) (laughs) He was, you know, 10 seconds away from collapsing. Okay. (laughs) No, that was a good question. It was a good answer. Wow. Excellent. (laughs) (laughs) so by the end of the scene they've totally mind-fucked Huell into believing that he can't even call Saul that his life is in danger and he should just stay put and he's wondering you know when you guys coming back and I'll get to when we're done you know whatever then we switch to a totally different sort of a scene where we see Walt meeting with Todd Uncle Jack and the other neo-Nazi buddies and it's about uh, um the hit on Jesse. Now, Uncle Jack's a little surprised that this is all, you know, just about killing one guy, and he's wondering if maybe he's on rat patrol, that Jesse may be a rat, and that's why Walt wants him dead. Walt is very insistent that Jesse is not a rat. Mm-hmm. He says it a few times. He makes it clear his reasoning for not being able to do this is that he's family. But he's angry. And this is where another one of the few laugh lines in the episode where Uncle Jack is wondering, well, just how angry are we talking? Are we talking Hulk angry? Are we talking Rambo, James Bond, <laughs> badass angry? Of course, I was wondering, when does James Bond really get angry? But, oh, yeah, Daniel Craig in one movie, I guess. But, um, <laughs> but the Timothy Dalton thing, had a whole revenge movie. Yeah, well, I'm one of the vast majority of people who didn't see the Timothy Dalton movie, so I wouldn't be able to address that. But um, the thing I thought was more interesting about the scene wasn't so much what was being said. Again, there's a certain sneering look that Uncle Jack has in, his, in regarding Walt. You know he's not impressed by this guy. Todd might be, but Uncle Jack really isn't. And I just feel they're just laying more groundwork, planting more seeds of what's to come later on, I think. Yeah, that's a good point. I think Jack doesn't respect Walt because Walt isn't willing, from Jack's perspective, Walt isn't willing to do the, the, get his hands dirty. Exactly. In fact, he makes a comment like that. You you know, know, I don't remember the exact words because I I didn't write that down, but um, it is something to that effect. Yeah. Well, otherwise, makes, I thought like, it was you so wouldn't sad. Do it yourself. Right. Yeah, that's right. But, but so what? sad that Walt kept stressing he's not a rat mm-hmm. when we right. already knew better. Walt mm-hmm. basically keeps saying that it needs to be quick and painless. He wants there to be no suffering, no fear. Oh. Un- Uncle Jack says maybe you know something like a bullet to the back of the head will do. But when they start to talk about what the terms of this deal are, Uncle Jack makes it clear that we don't want money. 
we want you to cook again. You know, we need to get Todd back up to speed and so on. Walt initially is adamant. I told you I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not in the business anymore. But they, and he starts to offer them even more money. I'll, I'll pay you triple. He's like, you know what? With the meth business, they'll make more money than he could possibly pay them or would or be willing to pay them. We just want you to cook. So eventually they come to an agreement that he'll do one cook after the job is done and they actually shake on it. So the last the thing is like... The most uncomfortable shake in the end. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And uh, one thing that they said about that um, was that on, you know, on the back of Uncle Jack's right hand, he's got the swastika. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, Cranston was, was giving him a look, you know, with that. So... Right, right. You're absolutely but right. We, did, we just didn't see it in that shot. We saw it later. Mm. One thing we did see was how skinny Jack is. There's like a weird scene where like half of his shirt is pulled to the side. He was getting up and I think he was getting ready to walk over to Walt and shake his hand. But it was just like he's kind of a gangly guy. Hmm. And it was the first time I'd ever seen him in that, like, it's kind of scruffy looking. It's interesting. The actor's clearly lost a considerable amount of weight from the way he appeared when I saw him on Lost several years ago. I wonder if that's the actor's normal appearance now or if he actually lost weight for the role, which is entirely possible. Because I, I had a similar thought. It might have been more subconscious, but his gauntness actually made him more creepy to me. More yeah. like the, a specter of death sort of a character. Well, like there's nothing soft about him. When right. you're that skinny, you're all bones and angular and, yeah, sharp, mm-hmm. not soft. Right. Abs- that's, that's actually a much better way to put it. He's, there's nothing soft about Uncle Jack. Yeah. So they agree. Like I said, one cook after, after the job is done, they shake on it. Walt makes it clear that time is of the essence here, but he doesn't know where Jesse is. But he does know a way to flush him out. He thinks. <laughs> right. <laughs> thinks he knows. Yeah. He's also wrong, well, in some ways, about time being of the essence. I mean, he doesn't realize that the time has passed. What do you mean? That Jesse has already... All right, okay, true, Hank and Gomez don't have physical proof against Walt. But there's enough... I think that there's enough in play with them and Jesse that it's, it's too late to like killing Jesse. Now, if they killed him okay. before Hank and Jesse called Walt with the, uh, well, before Jesse called Walt with a photo of what's coming up. <laughs> Sorry. If that, if, if Jesse got <laughs> I, killed, there we go. what's coming up. Totally okay. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Kelly's then mixing maybe, up the time again. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Did, did, you if, st- did you start recording? Yes. Yes. <laughs> but, but no, this is okay. If Jack had killed Jesse, like, right now, like, if they left that, the agreement, the handshake, and boom, he's dead, that might have been okay. But it's, it's, he doesn't, so it's too late. Right. Over the course of this episode, it's too late. Yeah. Right. Well, that's assuming that some things are done that we don't know are done. 
So I don't know, but we'll talk about it when we get there. <laughs> Basically, the, the, the whole idea I, I, of what we're seeing is that Walt is operating blindly, and yes. he's operating without correct information. He's making assumptions that are wrong, and this is the episode where, basic to me, is like, wow, look how many times Walt fucks up and is wrong in this episode. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, due to the fact that he's working from an incorrect basis. I mean, he thought for sure that he had, well, he, uh, Walt is as still operating as smoothly as he's ever operated, just with imperfect information. Yes. Yeah. He still thinks Jesse, I mean, he's always thought Jesse is dumb. No, he, I don't think he's thought Jesse was dumb. Really? What does Saul say to, to Walt in this episode? Who's acting? Well, that's coming up, I guess. No. That's, it's, it's said in the episode. Yeah. Well, I think I, Walt has always thought that, you know, he's the smartest one. He's, yes. You know, and so, and, and he's being forced to act defensively in this, in this episode. Yeah. Mm. I think Walt thinks just about everyone is dumb compared to him. I think we've seen Walt in situations where he knew he wasn't the smartest one in the room. When he dealt with Gustavo Fring, that was his frustration. The fact that he was dealing with someone as smart as him, if not smarter. But then he ended up proving that, in his mind, proving that he was smarter. He was that's, luckier. <laughs> well, that's, well, that's why, well that's, why, that's why at the end of season four, it's not about, he doesn't say, we're safe, or... It's over. He says, I won. Yeah. That's, a, that's very significant. That's his final reaction to what happened with Gus Spring. Yeah. And the that's... way he gets him, it, he gets him um, because of uh, Gus's emotional reaction and his emotional, you know, need for revenge. So Gus had to go there personally to, mm-hmm. to kill Hector. Right. And so that's how he got him. And what's, what proves, what's been proving to be one of Walt's um, weaknesses is when he does operate more based on emotion than the more cold calculating, you know, Walt. You know, yeah. him, him killing Mike was more based on emotion than any sort of actual plan or any sort of, you know, yeah. he, he reacts to the moment. 100%, yeah, emotion, yeah. And what's, what's leading him down the garden path with Jesse is he keeps thinking of him as being, you know, his loyal protege, and he would never mm-hmm. do this and never do that, and yet and that's the misinformation he's he's operating with, and he's wrong. Right. Okay. Now, moving on in this episode, Amelia. Okay. Um, Walt shows up at Andrea's and says he's looking for Jesse. Gives her this line about. He and Jesse had an argument, and he's hoping she can reach him. She says she hasn't heard from him in a couple of weeks, but we'll call him. There was an, a, a quick, uh, a quick eyeball to eyeball between Walt and Brock. Yeah, mm-hmm. that As... kid knows. I mean, just like intuitively, they bonded over Fruit Loops too. <laughs> they did not bond. It okay. was like you know, <laughs> magnets repelling each, each thing other. With, you know, the thing with the child reminds me of what they say about children and dogs is how that they can always sense when there's like an evil person or presence in the room. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. and yeah. 
the way Brock just looks at him, refute, doesn't even say anything until his mother kind of says, don't be rude. And even then, it's not really much of a response. Yeah, that was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then just a little behind-the-scenes thing about the, the actor um, play, playing the kid. Um, I guess since the beginning, you know, we've always seen him sitting down now because he's grown up quite a bit. And so, (laughs) and they actually like lowered the chair so that it would still look like, like he was like as young as he was when he started. Like he was that little. Yeah. Because it's been only what, like a few months. (laughs) It's right. It's been just, yeah. In Breaking Bad time, it's been a few months, but in reality, it's been what? Three three years. years? So yeah, he's grown quite a bit. (laughs) At least his face still, still looked babyish. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, they would have had to like find his little brother or something to play him, or CGI him, right? <laughs> so then Andrea calls. Uh, Andrea calls Jesse, leaves a message, um, tells him that Walt is there, and um, asks him to call her if she wants to talk to him. And Walt tells her he will be in touch. Actually, he starts to tell her, you know, call me when when you hear from him. And then he says, I'll be in touch. And leaves. And uh, goes out to the car. Calls uh, Uncle Jack's friend, who we mentioned his name earlier. I can't think of. Kenny. 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 Kenny always... I always crack up whenever I see Kenny because he looks like anybody you see in the IT crowd. He looks like a character from the IT crowd. So, um, see another tangent. Yes. <laughs> uh, Walt calls Kenny and um, tells him. I'm trying to remember. I think he tells him that Jesse should be around shortly or or something. I'm anytime yeah, now. Any anytime. Yeah. yeah, but not to do it there. Um, and of course, Hank intercepts the call, listens to the message, uh, and uh, he's like, "Yeah, there's no yeah. way Jesse's getting that message." Yeah. He said, "He says, nice try, asshole." So, yeah, <laughs> what? What? Uh... I'm so very glad y'all remember this stuff better than I do. <laughs> Well, and in this case, I was really glad that Jesse did not get the message because I think he would have gotten so emotional over that, even if he knew Walt was just trying to set up just, you know, trying to set him up. I think he would still be really worried. And I just thought it was so fucking cruel for Walt to be standing there in the kitchen. And I'm imagining Jesse listening to the message of, hi, it's Andrea. Your friend Walter White is here with us. We're worried about you. Mm-hmm. call me so i was thrilled when hank got that message even though my feelings about hank changed a little bit later <sighs> yeah but hank isn't concerned about her doesn't send the patrol car to check that place out no he's not <laughs> concerned about anything except trapping walt yep and i understand but not if it means sacrificing jesse <laughs> <laughs> so you're anybody Jesse. who wants to sacrifice Jesse is not okay in my book. <laughs> that that you you realize that's everybody on the show. I know. So nobody Every- is okay, and that's why I'm so sad. Seriously, 
Sarah's, I know it's silly. Those tears are real, aren't they? They are. I still get sad thinking about Walt and Jesse's little bromance that is totally dead. They can never be friends again. And I miss those early days when they bonded. Yeah, Jesse got a little sentimental towards the end there. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) For about a second. A little expectorant involved. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm all torn up about it. Okay, Thank you. See, Amelia's with me. Yes, I am. And I have no emotions. Oh, my Lord. I'm on Team Walt, so I don't care. <laughs> well, you saw my Instagram picture the other day. I'm on Team. I want everyone to have a happy ending. <laughs> wrong show. You're watching, You're the, watching wrong. the wrong oh my gosh, show. Kelly. Hey, I can dream, okay? I would like yeah. to watch a show where everyone has a happy ending. Uh, <laughs> it's called Bewitched. <laughs> Bewitched. I'm slowly uh, walking away. It's called Queers for... <laughs> <laughs> oh. I'll have to switch what I watch then because so far, everything that I watch, it's like no one has a happy ending. Uh, I, was, <sighs> I was making a boring joke. Yeah. <laughs> We know what you were doing. <laughs> yeah. Whatever you say. Everything is what you do. We're not as dumb as you think we are. Oh. <laughs> Walt. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, oh, 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 last little bit of the scene. Hank tells Jesse and Gomez that there was no GPS in the van, but you can see the uh, hamster start running at Hank's head and the wheels turning and um, realizes it was probably in the desert and he's coming up with a plan. And I have like one more little thing about the, the rental car company was Lariat and that was a brand that they used in the X-Files. It oh, wow. Brought that over from the X-Files. That's Dude. so sweet. See all the things he's brought over from the X-Files? Yeah. Well, because, you know, they couldn't use a real company. <laughs> well, I, because they were talking about the, the the GPS in the car and the lawsuit and all of that. So that's why they couldn't uh, use a real. You're absolutely right. right. They can purpose. use a real Mexican restaurant because there's nothing illegal about table sidewalk amole. <laughs> they, that's right. They, Their they business also, went way up. Well, yes. Yeah, a, a, the bigger thing is that they keep using Denny's and Denny's has never paid them a cent for promotional consideration <gasps> or vice versa. Really? Um, they just love the idea of you. They, they've talked about this a few times. They just like the idea of using them. Wait, why do they like Denny's? Because personally, I guess I can have leave you this ever out. Had six <laughs> it's the look. It's the look. No, I have issues with Denny's because of some race things. Um, I guess it's been a decade or more now, but I hold a grudge and things like that because I don't think they've made any real changes. If you want to edit this out, you may, Susan. Sorry, but I, I'm actually not happy to hear that they just like Denny's. No, no, it's not a matter of liking Denny's, and please do edit this out. Um, it's the location and the, and the look of the place that they use is just ideal for them. So that's why they've used it several times. All right. Times. See, that makes sense. I know it is like an American institution. And it like also that. makes sense in a story way because the first time they show up there, it's based on that's where Jesse wanted to eat. 
And Denny's does seem like the kind of place that at least oh. early Jesse would want to would, would eat a Grand Slam breakfast or something. Right. Or something. Right. Yeah. All right. I'm sorry about that tangent. Yeah, I don't. Plan tangents. Plan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've you've I, I, gone off of Scott's script. <laughs> I don't. I don't. <laughs> okay. Okay. Where are we? I don't. I, Amelia, did were you done? <laughs> I think I think Amelia just wrapped up Act Two. Yeah. All right, Chris, you've been waiting patiently. Yes. Sorry, Chris, man. Or did you hang up? <laughs> so Chris is very patient and very kind to us. <laughs> Thank you. It's all good. He's our Jesus. <laughs> he is. <laughs> so does this pick up with the uh, RJ uh, Jr. getting taught yeah. the ropes yes. of oh, how to be an A1 clerk? Yes, and Kelly, I thought of you. With what? So, reinforcing the brand. Oh yes. Okay. <laughs> okay so, so Skyler and Junior are at the car wash, and they're um, handling a customer, and uh, Skyler is giving Junior tips on how to be um, the best he can be at. Um, you know, doing customer service. Doing A1 customer service. Yes. <laughs> um, to which Junior is more interested in, you know, going home, hanging out, you know, it's Saturday and he wants to uh, go and play. And uh, that's just not a good idea. They want to keep everybody close. So um, this is obviously part of their, uh, Skylar and Walt's plan to to keep the family um, a unit while mm -hmm. things are going off. And uh, someone comes cruising in that uh, Junior immediately brightens up when he sees. It's, okay. it's, good, it's good old Saul. And you know something that I, I've never known or never got? is that Saul Goodman's name is a pun. It was yeah. part of that Talking Dead thing. Or, ugh, I keep saying Talking Dead. It's Talking Bad. Uh, <laughs> they, they said that his, his name is, you know, Saul Goodman, like it's all good man. Yeah. I, I never got that <laughs> mm -hmm. because I'm dumb. So. <laughs> hey, I just, I just got it recently too. You're not dumb. <laughs> But uh, Saul shows up and um, he's, he's getting his car cleaned and his face looks like a punching bag. In fact, his face looks worse than it did after the fight. <laughs> it's all puffy and red. Mm -hmm. And uh, RJ was like starstruck and's like, "Hey, you're you're on our, our you're on our poster. You're on our uh, our billboard." And uh, he gets that, uh, you know, Saul can't help but, like, get into the mood and go, better call Saul. <laughs> but uh, he's clearly there for a reason. And that pulls immediately the, the comedy act of Walt with the baby coming out to see what's going yeah. on. Yeah, I, I loved how he stepped in, like, uh-oh, what's wrong? <laughs> yeah. That was the most awkward thing I've ever seen on that show. <laughs> This is what he does. He's always doing these bizarre little comedy bits. It <laughs> was just, funny. It was just awkward. He's mm -hmm. a riot. 
<laughs> I mean, that's what would happen if you were sitting there nursing a baby and suddenly you heard, gotta call Saul, <laughs> when you're like intensely in a uh, in the tense situation that Walt is in, it, it all made perfect sense. So clearly Saul's there for meat and um, yeah, they uh, they head out to, or they head out to the car <clears throat> and uh, Walt notices that Saul's got a bulletproof vest on and Saul is relating the fact that uh, he's lost contact with one of his uh, w- with his bodyguard. His bodyguard is missing. So Huel has has gone AWOL. He's lost communications with him. And this has Saul, like, tripping. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, you know, wanting to know what what's what, what's what to do. Especially since they still have no idea that Jesse is with Hank. Right. Which I, like, I kept forgetting mm. scene to scene that they don't know that yet. You know, yeah, it's we... one of the longest period of times that the audience has known something that our main yeah. character hasn't known. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. All mm-hmm. big bad mm-hmm. history. I mean, this, one... this this little scene kind of encapsulates the fact of how Walt is underestimating Jesse, where he's you know he's just getting high somewhere, and with Saul pointing out the kid is not as dumb as you think, mm-hmm. and we all know oh, you're right about that, Saul. He's really not as dumb as he thinks. Of course, the I, fact that Jesse had all those great plans in the first part of season five, Walt should have known better about underestimating how smart Jesse really is. Because Jesse's already proven himself to be pretty smart. That's why I was thinking Walt doesn't think he's dumb. I mean, he... he I, maybe this is my sentimental loss of the bromance <laughs> moment. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, it's... It, magnets bitch come on (laughs) well yes but i guess i'm just thinking about all the times that walt did say to jesse things like how stupid are you Mm -hmm. but those were usually followed up with a um case in point the the time when Jesse pulled the, the cook van right up to Walt's house. I'm going mm-hmm. back to that thing because that's mm-hmm. exactly that situation. He goes in and he says, how stupid do you have to be to, yeah. you know, and this leads to a fist fight between the two of them. Mm-hmm. After which Walt ha- having expelled all that energy actually does the thing that Jesse came there for and splits up the money mm-hmm. that he came to to get it's like they 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 go around in a loop and orbit they orbit each other but mm-hmm. like eventually they they reach equilibrium and they they realize that the, they need each other well what is it yeah. I'll, 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 the last thing i'll point out in reference to this is what is it that jesse says to hank in last week's episode when he's talking about walt when he's smarter hank than y'all out, and he's luckier no, not that part. That's true. That's, that's the more important part. That's absolutely the most important part of that conversation, I think. But I'm talking about a, few, a, about a minute that, earlier. That when is Hank, No, no, let me... When Hank is trying to... When Hank realizes that Walt cares about Jesse, and then what Jesse says is, you mean when he's not calling me an idiot? Mm. Very, you know, 
I think it says idiot or stupid. I think idiot. Yeah. Or poisoning people that he cares about, whatever. Oh, yeah, he's totally gay for me. But the ver- one of the very first things he points out <laughs> is when he's not, because there's been a legacy of Walt insulting Jesse's intelligence. I mean, they have bonded plenty of times as well. It's, but they, what, it's like what Chris was saying. They do tend to go back and forth. They're together, and then he calls him an idiot. You know, it's, yeah. a lot it kept happening in the RV when he left the keys in the ignition and all these other moments. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. A, now, one, one thing real quick, all the way back to, I don't remember which episode or season this was, but when Jesse pulled out that old chemistry test and Walt had written on there, apply yourself. <laughs> so <laughs> I've gotten that before. <laughs> that actually means I think you aren't dumb. You just need to apply yourself. Yeah. So I know I've been saying that, I, I and I still do think that, I think Walt thinks everyone is dumb compared to him, almost everyone. Um, but clearly there's something there where he does acknowledge that Jesse isn't as dumb as Walt likes to, says he, to, as Walt likes to say he is. Get the grammar there correct. So I don't sound all dumb. <laughs> does, he, does he think Skyler's dumb? No. He, he must. He keeps coming up with the t- most terrible lies yeah. that he expects her to buy. <laughs> I think okay. And then and then she pokes holes in him, and he's revealed. Yeah. So that's an that's an interesting thing. To okay, think about. so here so here's the thing then. Maybe he doesn't think everyone else is dumb. Maybe he thinks he's just smarter than everyone. That's I guess correct. That, all right. Absolutely. That's the nicer, non-judgmental way of phrasing it. <laughs> <laughs> it's also the correct way to put it. So. Okay. okay. Yeah. And I have one, one more thing to point out here about Saul. Um, did you notice that the whole time he's holding that CD that was in the car, the CD or DVD, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. He's oh, holding while he's in there standing at the register and when he, while he's outside talking to Walt, he's did holding that CD. Did he oh. do anything with it though? No, it's just in his he's hand. Just holding it. Yeah. So it must be something important. Well, actually, I think it's did, journey. You think well, it's actually, journey? Actually, did you? Um, I'm sorry, I stepped away for a moment. Did we mention? Did Chris mention the line, or when Saul makes the comment about the kid leaving booger powder all over the, uh, oh, the inside yeah. of his car? Yeah. And he's referring to the drugs. Yeah. And he's still referring to Jesse, which were on well that CD. So may I mean I don't know if maybe that's why he grabbed the CD and took it out of the car. Well, yeah, maybe that's why he's so. at the car wash getting his car cleaned. Yeah. Well, that's, yes. Yes. Beyond coming to talk to Walt, which is, which is probably the real reason. But yeah, <laughs> but like you might as well two birds with one stone. I don't yeah. put it past Mr. Goodman to yeah. take advantage of a situation. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and hope for a discount too. Mm-hmm. Right. He but he paid. He paid for that car wash. Yeah. Well, I'm sure if, if Junior weren't there, he wouldn't pay. <laughs> yeah, I would assume. Yeah. So actually help me out here, guys, because I forget how this, uh, how they get out of this scene. Like what, what led them to oh. breaking up? I know that very soon Walt I'll, gets a call. Yeah, I'll, 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 he gets I'll, the, I'll, the picture. What happens is we, Walt, they, do, they also do a very interesting and telling shot where we, we look at Walt through the windows and the blinds. And it's done in a way where it looks like Walt is behind bars. And it's done very deliberately. Because when we see Skylar coming through, looking through a window, she's not shot that way. So it's, it's, it was an interesting choice that they took. 
And at that point, he gets a call, or he gets a little mess, a little picture message, and he takes a look, and it's his money. It looks like it's a picture of his money being unearthed. The barrel of money. Yeah, barrel mm-hmm. money. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm. But what what happened to Saul? Why did Saul leave? His car or was. His, did yeah. he come to? His a, car was finished. Yeah. His car was finished, and they yeah. finished talking. That was that. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, what did they resolve to do? Nothing. They didn't know where anyone was. They didn't know where Huel was or Jesse. Right. Okay. Yeah. It's basically yeah. It's basically Saul warning. Uh, Walt and Walt doesn't really believe that Jesse's the problem that Je- that uh, Saul thinks he is, yeah. and even though he doesn't like Huel's missing, and then that's pretty much it as far as the Saul and uh, Walt okay. stuff. So I love the, the billboard behind them, you know the Saul oh, yes. mm-hmm. board. And is there a message saying, uh, you know, <laughs> look what I found or something <laughs> with the uh, with the money? Well, a, a second after that, he gets the phone call. Yeah. Yeah. Just a, call a from photo Jesse. and then the right. phone call. Mm. Which turns it into a race. Yes. Uh, immediately, um, the music kicks into full gear and we get Walt flying in, in his car uh, through the city streets. And uh, I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> Some of the most <laughs> obvious, produ- uh, you know, process shots. Yeah, <laughs> of, yeah. Of that was that. unfortunate. <laughs> you know, I, I, here's the funny thing about those. It, it's the kind of thing you'd see in a Hitchcock film. Yep. So it didn't sorry. break it for me. It didn't cause me concern. It certainly wasn't as bad as the Dukes of Hazard. <laughs> <laughs> Where, you like, talking about the, the original Deuce of Hazard or the remake, like the the, the movie, the, the original, the original series after the first season did all rear projection shots, and it was terrible. Because I remember watching the first season of it, and they actually did live production shots, and it was looked pretty good. But uh, we don't want to go into a Deuce of Hazard tangent. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. <laughs> but actually, some of these were real shots. You know, with um, like as he he was going through um, through the running the red lights and and all of that. You know, they they had they had control of the traffic and shut down the streets and ran the red lights. I'm um, just vision, but, envisioning the hard left, hard right. <laughs> but yeah, some of it, yeah, all of that from from inside the car. Yes, that was yeah. <laughs> It was very, very obvious. That was kind of rough. Yeah, but like I said, it just brought me back to you know. Hitchcock films, where mm-hmm. those kinds of process shots just told you you were you're in another reality. <laughs> right, they were, reality. Exactly, they were done deliberate. When Hitchcock did it, was deliberate. He he embraced the artifice. That was the whole point of it. Okay, right, and it, it that worked for me. Plus, it, it did look thrilling when like his his car was like cutting between traffic and and whatnot. But uh, while he's in the car, he's like told to you know don't hang up don't call anybody you know i'm burning your money (laughs) in chunks there goes uh you know the first hundred thousand or so and uh and walt is just in a complete and utter panic he's like no Mm -hmm. jesse taunting him is amazing yeah Yeah. he he totally fricassees him 
and gets him to admit to every uh, criminal act that he seems yeah. to have done in the, in the in the past five years. And and this or, is sorry. what we were talking about um, a little earlier. Um, you know, was this recorded? That's the big thing that we don't know that we may or may not ever find out. And, but I don't think it even matters if it were recorded. It's, I rem, people have said, okay, it wouldn't have been admissible if, if it were recorded. And, you know, as long as they have mm-hmm. the cash, that's the thing. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> I mean, also with the, the whole with point the recording, of this huh? it, if Jesse is the one who supposedly, you know, in quotes, did the recording, then depending on the state, and I looked it up, in New Mexico, they supposedly follow the federal standard of as long as one party knows it's being recorded, then it's okay and admissible. So if Hank recorded it without them knowing, that's illegal. But if Jesse, again, quote unquote, records it, um, records his own conversation with Walt, then technically that is legal and admissible. But what's really important, I think, is as Scott has pointed out from the very get-go in the season, how do you catch a criminal of this stature and follow the money? And that's exactly what they do. Or they let Walt lead them to (laughs) the money. It becomes follow to the money. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So you you thought, and throughout this whole sequence, I was thinking at some point, maybe he's going to catch on and just keep driving past, you know, he's not going to go. And then they see him make that turn. (laughs) It's like, oh, fuck, no, he's he's really going there. And then he pulls into that corner and then he realizes his money is nowhere in sight and he immediately realizes and and the the phone goes dead suddenly there's no talking coming from jesse and uh and and before it goes dead he pleads with him he tells him hey this money is i'm dying it's not for me it's for my family please don't touch that money (laughs) and um he gets there only to find that it's exactly the way he left it. Yeah. Which just immediately burns his brain. <laughs> he realizes <laughs> he's how like, oh. idiotic he's been yeah. and how completely taken he is. It's, it's basically what he was trying to do to flush out Jesse. Hank has done to flush him out. Yeah. Well, that, but he that. still thought Jesse did to flush him out. Well, right. He does yeah. not know Hank's involved. Yeah. He, he he just knows that he's been had. And, so what uh, what were y'all feeling while watching that scene? Of... No! <laughs> I'm, I'm the Scott. I'm on fucking Team Walt. I'm sorry. <laughs> I Yeah, same here. And the thing I most enjoyed about that scene was Walt finally discussing in detail well, not discussing, but pleading in detail about the poisoning. Because yeah. he finally, it's been one of my biggest issues with the show, and he finally put it to rest for me. So I was like, okay, now I understand why you use Lily of the Valley. Now I get it. It's finally clear to me. Thank you for explaining that, Gilligan. I mean, Cranston. I mean, White. But, um, 
Yeah. Because was, what about what about it? What what did you question before? Well, I don't want to I don't want to take us into another tangent, but um, it's about, yeah. it's, all right, it's about the show, so it's fine. Yeah. I and this always, whole last season is also about tying up tangents, so I think right, it's okay. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I kind of had a slight and very slight, italic slight, you know, <laughs> in air quotes slight, issue with the, the whole concept that, that Walt went through the trouble of taking the rice and, to trick, and tricking Jesse into thinking that Gus might have had something to do with poisoning Brock, but in fact, he never actually uses the ricin on Brock, but he uses a totally different form of a poison, Lily of the Valley, and I started wondering then, but why didn't you just use the ricin if your only motivation was to poison the kid? Because there's never an indication that, you know, I never got an indication why he did that. And I've read, and I've read articles that explained it. I think Alan Steppenwall did it, and I kind of accepted it. And then 10 because minutes later... Because it was later, his plan not to kill the kid. Wasn't that right. the answer? Th- that's yeah. right, but... That, that's dependent on a lot of things because he still gave him something which was lethal. And if they hadn't caught on to it when they did, the kid would have been dead anyway. And Walt is never the one, I didn't, Walt was never the one in charge of them finding out about it's actually Lily of the Valley. So it's, it's basically, what, what do we say about him being lucky? I mean, maybe some of the luck ended up rubbing off on Brock because if they hadn't, figured that out soon enough the kid would have been dead anyway so i, I just always had a pro i always kind of had a problem with that because i never really understood why he did that mm-hmm. but when he talks about it in the car then as, and i'm again maybe i'm falling for walter white here um <laughs> I'm, I'm believing him even though he's the most insincere person on television but i'm believing him <laughs> well at this he, point he's, he's kind of given up the ghost of being you know, cagey. <laughs> He's being like, no, as honest as he can. Yeah, the, the, the only, I mean, the closest manipulation we get here is when he starts bringing up the fact that he has cancer and it's for his family. But even that's true. It's true. It's true. It's but also it's with still them. being manipulative. How, how is that being manipulative? It's the truth. Here is the situation. What is it? Ladies what and is germs, it? I'm sick again. You may <laughs> not have heard this. But remember, <laughs> remember what it is that Jesse says to him in reaction to that. It's like, really, you're going to bring up kids? Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Which, right. I love that line. That was so awesome. But um, I, I have to admit that I was rooting for Walt. I know that most people weren't, but I was like, no, figure it out. Figure it out. Well, me too. I, I, I'm not rooting. For, well, like I said, yes, I am rooting for everyone to have a happy ending, which I know obviously it's not going to happen. Um, but at least this way, I'll be in in part happy. I'll be literally ambivalent <laughs> with the ending because if there's anyone who has a happy ending, I'll be happy about that, and then I'll be sad about everyone else. But yeah, I same thing. Like watching Walt race through there, I kept thinking, Walt, dude, don't let your emotions take over like this. Um, even though I still also want jesse to be vindicated and hank um i don't want anyone to to lose any of these people to lose well you, you know you, you know the joke is you'd like them all to have happy endings and the odds are 
none of them are going to have a happy ending. I know. Mm-hmm. I know. I mean, it, it, it's really impossible for any of them to have a happy ending at this point because all of their stories are so tied into each other. I, I take that back. Saul, all of their stories are so based on a horrible, horrible act. Yeah. It's like they pick the worst drug possible. Yeah. <laughs> Saul could possibly have a happy ending. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've seen that in other episodes. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Never mind. <laughs> So we don't no, know that farm <laughs> door open. <laughs> if if Hank wins, he still loses. Uh-huh. If Jesse wins, he still loses. It, they it's same with all of them. Yeah. If if Walt wins, he and his family still lose. So so getting back to the act, uh, he pulls the battery out of his phone, uh, throws it down into the sand, uh, pulls out his gun and. Uh, starts canvassing for a uh, good vantage point. And he climbs um, the nearest uh, high ground that he can find, um, apparently the same place where um, Jesse scouted to see whether or not uh, this would be a good cook location and said, there's, like, cow houses. <laughs> That's all I can <laughs> <see>. <laughs> Cow house rock. <laughs> you know, houses for cows. <laughs> and um, but Walt doesn't think he's done. <laughs> no, he starts seeing the Roadrunner trail of vehicles on its way, <laughs> to, which leads him to uh, making a phone call frantically. Now he's thinking, okay, I'm in a trap, and Jesse is coming with people to take me out. So. He calls his good old buds, uh, the neo-Nazis, and gives them... He, it, and it's funny, because I thought this thing would be on the fucking... On, on the refrigerator in his house, not in his pocket. He pulls out the lottery ticket. Yeah, I was wondering about that, too. Well, he probably removed it from the house when they weren't going to be there, because he doesn't know how long they're not going to um, be in the house for. Oh, yeah. that's Makes true. sense. Okay. Makes sense. But, uh, yeah, it was just a shock to me to see that he, that he had the lottery ticket. And he gives them the coordinates. It's like, here's the coordinates to my money. Hey. <laughs> well, they don't know that. They don't know that. But they just that's know what he does. He needs backup, and that's where he is. That's what he does. He gives them the coordinates but, to yeah. his cash yeah. in order to some, come and save his bacon. And then uh, he's, he... he um, observes what's going on and sees his brother-in-law come out of the car and immediately realizes he, it's time to give up the ghost. He, he tells them, don't come, don't come. <laughs> it's over. <laughs> um, they start calling for Walt. <laughs> They're looking around for him. They've got his car. Gomez picks up the keys uh, they're screaming for Walt to come out. And throughout this, I'm just wondering, how's he going to fucking pull this off? <laughs> like, where are we going to go here? Absolutely. Right, Because right. We've, uh, we've seen, you know, the, the flash forwards. So mm-hmm. how does it get? Yeah, it's like, suddenly it's like, okay, he does get arrested. He does go into witness protection. (laughs) Right. (laughs) It's like, these are the things going on. But, like, this is a commercial break, right? Yeah. I think that's the end of that segment. 
Yeah. The two, a couple little things I thought were interesting. Um, when we see the neo-Nazi perspective, um, I noticed that this is what I referred to earlier, that Todd's actually putting on a bulletproof vest. Yes. So that's when I made the joke earlier about, well, if Todd does have one moment of self-preservation, because he's actually putting on a bulletproof vest, which is pretty smart, actually. I missed that. Interesting. I, I did not see that. Yep, and, he is. And the last thing that we see before we go to commercial is the fact that there are actually tears in Walt's eyes. Yeah. Which is also, I think, of uh, some significance. Oh, yeah. everything he's ever worked for has been lost. Exactly. Yeah. It's all for nothing. Right. Zero. Like meth head junkie murderer. <laughs> <laughs> well, the murderer part is on him. but <laughs> I kill for you, you kill for me. We're kill buddies. Come on. <laughs> They're cook buddies oh. and kill buddies. <laughs> I That was the other thing I loved in that earlier was the fact that Walt takes the time to lay out all the things he's done for Jesse about killing all these people oh, he had to kill for oh, him. Oh, right. Yeah, so that was the, the real confession. Yeah. It, was, it was all yeah. right there. Right. Well, we come back to uh, Act 4, the final act. And Walt steps out from behind the rock, follows Hank's instructions. Hank slaps the cuffs on him. He's finally, he, he's gotten to, he's done what he wanted, he's wanted to do. So um, uh, he admits he faked the money photo. He said it was by the barbecue grill where they used to cook out with the family. And I, I thought back to Hank's old boss, who also did cookouts with his family with Gus Spring. So that's a, another another callback to another episode there. And then Jesse gets nostalgic, says, this is the place where, where we first cooked together. Uh, says that to Walt. Uh, and then Hank uh, reads Walt his rights. Um, he he offers, you know, it's like, okay, Gomi, uh, you know, you know, offers Gomi the chance to do it, but no. Of course, it's all it's all Hank because this was it's been Hank's mission for the last uh, few weeks here to get to get Walt to get Heisenberg or for, what, the, for, for the past, the past year month, year yeah <laughs> but you know <laughs> since he's known who it was <laughs> just for uh, recently did did you catch the little moment a few mo- a minute earlier when after Hank makes him go through the whole process of walk backwards, hands on your head, that whole thing. When he actually slaps the cuffs on him, that Jesse's kind of chuckling about it. Yeah. 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 Jesse can't believe it's happening. Yeah. I mean, he's sitting there with his mouth open the whole time. Yeah. But he, but he's, but he, he actually kind of laughs at it, which is, which I thought was very interesting. I think that's just joy. But it made me sad too. (laughs) Everything made me sad. (laughs) (laughs) Kelly, <laughs> <Hilly>, my gosh. <laughs> I mean, again, I understand it, but I don't know. I don't like schadenfreude. No matter who it's from, no matter how um, justified it may be, schadenfreude makes me sad. So. How, about, how about Schraderfreude? <laughs> <laughs> that was good. <sighs> that was actually good. But I no. think you might need to explain a term to me because I'm not 
Uh, getting it. What's Schadenfreude? Okay. Schadenfreude is being happy at someone else's misfortune or misery. That's comedy. No, see, that's why I don't like comedy then. Thank you! Oh my god, you explained <laughs> oh. it! Oh god. Holy shit! If, the, if Schadenfreude equals comedy, then that's why my instinct is to hate comedy. There you go. Back to, back to the reading of the riots. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I'm not going down that rabbit hole, no way. Yeah, that's another <laughs> podcast. I completely another don't, podcast. Don't, don't go down that rabbit hole on the Facebook group, probably. Yeah, it. yeah. Yeah, they tried. All right, back to you, Susan. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, he gets read his rights, and then Walt's comment after that, he's he's just staring at Jesse the whole time, he calls Jesse a coward. Uh, Jesse spits in his face, and they fight, and they have to be separated. They uh, toss Walt in the in the Tahoe and Jesse in in Walt's car. Have to separate them, and then uh, Hank has to make a quick phone call before before he takes Walt in. Uh, he says, uh, "Gomi and uh, and the kid should wait there until he gets the the search warrant." So they're finally going to get a warrant now that they have all the evidence and everything together and all of that. He calls Marie. And this was this phone call. It was just so sweet. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is their last phone call. I just, you know, I just had that feeling, you know, it's like, well, I'm pretty sure the the Nazis are coming anyway. They're not going to take that you know, that don't come. It's, yeah. it's off. I I was pretty sure they're coming anyway, which they, they were. And then there was just something about this, about this phone call. I thought that too. Yeah. I just felt like the, the final goodbye for these two. Totally and, with you there, especially his, uh, I mean, he was, he was a little bit teary even in saying, I love you. Yeah. 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 It was totally like a sad, poignant phone call, which, yeah, I'm thinking, uh-oh, bye-bye, Hank. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was this like was the, the Joss the, Whedon moment. It, it was like in a horror movie, when you, in the horror movies, you're never supposed to say, I'll be right back, because you won't be right back. Yeah. You never make that phone call. <laughs> in the horror movies, oh. Yeah. Or have sex. <laughs> yeah, do not have sex in horror movies. <laughs> Tangent. Ball scene scream. We need breaking bad rules, huh? Right, right. Yeah. So, and then when he, when when Hank exhaled at the end of the call, I, I don't think I, I breathed either, you know, after that. It's like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh. That's, that's when I had to start remembering to breathe while I was watching this. Because then the, uh, the Nazis show up. There's a little standoff. Then we, we play Kelly's music. And <laughs> the standoff music. No, 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 Kelly. Yes, that was yes. not a cue. Yakety sax. <laughs> we play the standoff music. Uh, and then the shootout begins. And miraculously, we don't really see anyone get hit. 
<laughs> yeah. That's mm. kind of impossibly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They had guns trained on them that were automatic weapons and they were out in the open. Mm-hmm. Nowhere near that car. Yeah. How do, how which got heavy... littered with bullets. How does a heavy set guy with a really bad limp able to escape the, uh, a hailstorm of bullets like that? Yeah. Yeah. I had a little problem with that, but whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I also felt that this gun battle was a little flat as far as how it was shot. It was only one angle. Like, one angle? We never really saw. It... I don't know. There was something about it that struck me as being bizarre in how it was laid out. Hmm. But, you know, it's not that big a deal. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I guess, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll find out more next week. But anyway, and I thought, I thought that Gomez got hit, you know, when he, he, at one point he fell up against the, the grill of the car and I, yeah. I thought he got shot there. So maybe, I don't know. I mean, we'll, we'll find right. out. I did rewatch it, and it didn't look to me like he had gotten hit. And I keep thinking if he had gotten hit, it would have been mentioned on Talking Bad since he was a guest on the show. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go on the assumption he wasn't hit. I think the other thing to note of significance, uh, I, I kind of get what Chris is saying about the way the gun battle was shot, but I forgive it because it was fairly brief. Yeah. And I was actually more interested in what was happening inside the two vehicles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just number one, trying to see if Walt will actually escape getting a bullet. But the more important, well, I don't know if it's more important, but Jesse's reaching for the car door and actually opens the car door. Yeah, which yeah. kind of an indicator. Slip that, out. Yeah, I'm. I'm assuming he, when we come back to it, Jesse's on the run. Yeah. Though I don't know where he's gonna go. Oh. <laughs> Behind the tumbleweed. Yeah, I, I don't know how far, yeah. <laughs> or the Native American dude who helped them in the, you know, <laughs> first couple of episodes is somehow magically going to appear now. Yeah, <laughs> he just happened to be driving by. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it ends in the in the middle of this shootout. And, you know, at, at, and this is where everyone was angry at Vince Gilligan. So, I'm not. Well, how would it. anybody be angry? That was awesome. <laughs> I, I think it was. I think it was playfully angry. I don't think it was actual yeah. anger. Yeah, not actual anger, uh, but yeah, it's just like, oh my gosh. <laughs> can, can I bring up a little jokey thing that I, I might have mentioned in my own blog, but I'm gonna. I wanted to say it here. Okay. Um, I thought it was funny that you have an episode that in the first few minutes we heard "Oh Sherry" by Steve Perry, and then we end in a way which kind of a, a sudden smash cut to black, and the first thing any a lot of TV viewers will think of is the way a certain episode of Sopranos ended, which also which used a Journey song. So I thought, oh, there's kind of a weird circle thing happening here. I kind of, I, I just really enjoyed that. Okay. <laughs> uh, you've never seen The Sopranos. That's why you didn't. But know. I have seen the final. I, I know. Yeah, every, yeah. Everyone's, everyone, everyone knows. Everyone knows that. And... I, I don't, but that's okay. Oh. Okay. How is that possible? Because I never watched it. I actually didn't have a TV for a bunch of years. And I lived in Mexico for a little while. And we didn't have a TV down there. I get what you're saying. It's just, I, I'll, I'll actually say there's probably more people who actually know about that. And none of them have actually seen the show. I know he died. Have. Is that what you're talking about? No, no, no. no. Just the, and, the, and, the final episode. There was such outrage about how it Journey ended. Journey plays and it cuts to black. 
Oh, God. There's a sudden cut. There's a sudden cut to black in the middle of a scene, and that's how the show ended. I mean, it was reported on the news, you know. Well, and I just never, I didn't read it, because since I never watched the show, I thought, I don't need to click on that to read what happened. Okay. I mean, I click on other things, but I I don't know, I just didn't, so. Anyway. I'm sorry that that makes me a bad person. Well, it doesn't make you I a broke bad, bad by not clicking on it, Sopranos. It, it makes you a cult, it, make, it makes you a culturally uninformed person, but doesn't make you a bad person. So that's fine. Okay. Boom. Anyway. And in Scott's book, it's the same thing. Yes. This, <laughs> that's my this point. Is, this is true. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> but at least I can still pronounce Moulin Rouge correctly. <laughs> I don't want to be able to pronounce it. I don't want to have to watch that movie. I don't even want to hear that song. So that's fine. Well, oh, I don't like the movie. I just like being able to pronounce it. Well, I like the movie. <laughs> <laughs> so fuck you both. <laughs> wow. Oh, me, me and Kelly are going to have to be like Hank and Jesse and, <laughs> and join up against me. Right, against me. I, hey, I will Everybody. join Susan's side. I like the movie. Everyone hates me anyway. Isn't that all your your new ringtone anyway? <laughs> I thought that was my mantra. Anyway. Yeah. There you go. So, <laughs> back to Breaking Bad. Okay, oh. so what happened on Facebook, Kelly? <laughs> Gosh. All right, so we've got a um, message from Heidi who wrote, I really liked it when Jesse called him Walt on the phone. No more respect left there. So as in, you know, Jesse didn't say Mr. White finally. And what was Walt thinking admitting everything on the phone? Didn't he think that Hank could be listening in somehow? And no, I don't no. think he did think Hank. No. <laughs> Hank was just not even part of the equation. But then she said, rookie mistake made in the heat of the moment. Is it too early for Hank to bite the dust? No, we have only three episodes left, don't we? So, yeah. Um, she continued, I think it was the end of the episode when Walt was behind the rock coming to terms with his surrender. That was intense. Then when it kept going, I yelled, how the hell can they top that as a cliffhanger? <laughs> and then the cavalry <laughs> arrives with their terrible aim. What is this? A Bruce Willis movie. <laughs> 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 and Heidi concludes with, I've stopped guessing what's going to happen now. FK. So I guess, fuck, this show is good. I don't think she realized that we do allow swearing on Geek Girl Soups. So. Yeah, she, she's used to the censored page. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. Uh, Heidi, it is perfectly fine to spell out and outright say whatever you feel like saying. We'll yes. let you know if we don't approve. <laughs> <laughs> you somehow offend. Yeah, just not calling anyone names. Just yell fuck out into the air. That's fine. But no calling anyone a fuck wit. <laughs> none, of, none of us, at least. Thank you. Uh, yeah. All right. So Michelle wrote, first of all, even though I'm not a fan of Todd, I felt in the beginning of the episode, at least, that he wasn't so terrible. Maybe it was because of his cool ringtone <laughs> that blinded me with science. Also, Lydia seems less excitable and annoying, more calm and collected, in my opinion. As, uh, Michelle continued to write, As I continued to watch, I didn't know what to make of this episode. The tone and feel seemed really different to me. The music was eerie and a bit ominous, even more so than in some past episode of, episodes of Breaking Bad. 
the whole fake out thing with a barrel of money was genius. I agree that w- Hank and Jesse were genius and mm. Gummin. They were totally genius. Excuse there. me. <laughs> you are excused. I'm drinking Mississippi mud, black and tans, and it got to me. <laughs> don't don't edit that out. Yes. <laughs> she, she can't anyway because he did it while I was quoting Michelle. So sorry, Michelle. Anyway. Um, yeah, apologize to Michelle. <laughs> apologize, <laughs> Michelle. I'm sorry. <clears throat> After Walt got... All right, so I'm continuing reading as Michelle right now. After Walt got to Tahajali and saw Hank, his reaction made me realize that Hank was like Walt's kryptonite. Walt totally fell apart after that. Yes, he did. And near the ending of this episode, first when Hank and Gomi had their showdown with Walt, and especially later when Jack and his crew arrived, my thoughts were that it reminded me of the gunfight at the OK Corral. And I can't hum any music from that. <laughs> and clearly I can't hum Thank it goodness. from that badly either. <laughs> Save the podcast. <laughs> Stop forsake me, oh my darling. <laughs> my darling Clementine. Oh. Ooh, so what is going to happen in the first five minutes of the next episode? Oh my God. I have no idea. I, I don't want to know. I don't care. Nobody knows. Nobody who knows anything <laughs> better say shit on this podcast. I don't know anything because I haven't been reading or watching anything. <laughs> I think yeah, Scott but knows, right? There are people who've been watching every possible thing. I know, stop it. <laughs> And to them, I have this little ditty. Fuck your fucking... <laughs> Fuck your fucking face, uncle fucker. You're not a fucker. You don't eat or cheat or mow the lawn. You just fuck your uncle all day long. I've seen that part. Uncle of fucker. Self. Fuck that was That was self love that song. Yes. Okay. I knew that. See? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oddly enough, that's going to play in the first five minutes of the next episode. Awesome. <laughs> Spoiler. Right? Is that is that breaking lost or breaking bad? Oh, breaking self. Breaking south. Breaking yeah. <laughs> breaking self. Breaking Cart Cartman, is that his name? Yes. <laughs> that's wrong. That sounded wrong. <laughs> but oh so right. <laughs> if you know South Park. Well, Scott? Yes. I'm going to make you th- <laughs> making lost. We're waiting. Oh my god. All right, now keep in mind that these were written before the season started and I'm not changing them cuz I don't want to. Good. <laughs> All right. In the next episode of what are we calling? Oh, Breaking Lost. Breaking Lost. The next episode of 514 of Breaking Lost called Hearts and Minds. Walt feels like he has chronic heartburn and massive migraines the entire episode. He now fears the cancer has come back, but he eventually learns he just had too many mochaccinos the night before. Happy now, Susan? I am so happy. I cannot believe it. (laughs) Well, it is funny because since you did say you wrote them all before, then you didn't know that the cancer was going to be back now. I didn't know for sure, right? right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You could have edited them, but that's okay. Oh, I'd like to edit them. I'd like to edit them to be like the the actual title of the next episode. But (laughs) (sighs) everyone else is allowed to know that except one person. So anyway, 
Go on. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everybody. (laughs) Thanks for listening to another wonderful episode of um, (laughs) politics and guns and breaking bad (laughs) and breaking geek. So. (laughs) Bye. And in the next week, give us a five-star rating and a review on iTunes. Give us a five-star. Five-star. If you can't give us five stars, stop listening. That's right. Are they going to base a five-star rating on this podcast? Wow. Yes. Hey, that's one star for each of us. That's right. We each at least deserve that. Up to this point. After this week, you can only have four stars. Yeah. So, yeah, we're also saying see you later to Amelia because she's leaving us for a little while. She's going on sabbatical. (laughs) Moving across the country. Sabbatical. Moving across the country. Yeah. Where are your priorities? Where are my priorities? Um, Obviously not with the show. (laughs) Otherwise, if they were, then you would have waited until October to do this. Yes. Or September 30th. Yeah. We'll damn that damn that falling in love and what was I thinking? It's overrated. It is. <laughs> you, know, you weren't thinking. I love wasn't. turns the brains to mush. We saw that. No. This episode. I, I what did yes. this love you human speak of? Love <laughs> turns your brains into cow brains. <laughs> love love will keep us together. Remind me to <laughs> tell him not to listen to this episode. <laughs> or could you edit out the whole The what? Bit, the the bit Mexican and Denny's thing? What? <laughs> Did you want to edit it out? The gun? Possibly have needed to be edited. What should, yeah, what should I edit out of this? I don't know what to edit out. Well, what shouldn't you edit out? <laughs> Podcast should be Welcome to Breaking Geek. And Geek Gone. Gone. <laughs> Oh, I'll leave a five-star review. And that's the podcast right there. This is two hours and 15 minutes of awesomeness. Don't edit out anything. Uh, I'm (laughs) with you, sister. I will catch y'all on the flip side when Murray leaves Hank for Michael J. Fox. (laughs) (laughs) It'll be right after Hank's funeral, I'm assuming. Oh, <laughs> Michael J. Fox is her rebound guy. <laughs> hey, you know. She got to a shaky start. Yeah. Oh. oh, now that's a dick move. <laughs> Actually, if you follow, um, if you follow Dean Norris on Twitter, he tweeted out a picture, which. I actually shared, uh, somebody did a screen capture of a conversation between him and Bessie Brandt and the, um, whoever does the Twitter for the Michael J. Fox show. So it was very cute, but it was something to the effect of Marie leaving him for Michael J. Fox. Just like you're leaving us for for Jay Bear Shell. (laughs) But hasn't he already left for... Just like I'm leaving y'all for some really good sex. Life under the dome? (laughs) Yeah, he's Breaking Bad and Under the Dome. Crickets. (laughs) (laughs) That's what that show deserves.
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> they all die down under the dome. <laughs> Do you have like a cricket sound? Because I think you should. <laughs> yeah. I think it should be used throughout this whole podcast. <laughs> Especially after Scott talks. <laughs> No, you, you don't. You don't follow up the good parts with Chris. <laughs> <sighs> it, she who edits gets to place the crickets. Yeah. <laughs> after after each gun name. No. <laughs> and again, that would be awesome. <laughs> Whatever the AB sixty four. I'm saying I know that that's not a real guy. Yeah. I'm saying that on purpose. Mm-hmm. Tweet, tweet, tweet. Whatever crickets. Tweet, tweet, tweet. No, but that's all I could do while laughing. You wouldn't have understood. <laughs> <laughs> Amelia, get us out of here. I started rubbing my. Leg. Amelia, stay your line. Fuck. Get us out of here now. She started ripping her white <laughs> legs together like a cricket. Geek on, everybody. For the love of God, geek on. <laughs>